The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is the Spirituality and Health Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today, Joel Bennett, is president of Organizational Wellness and Learning Systems, a consulting firm he founded in 1990, specializing in evidence-based wellness and e-learning technologies to promote organizational health and employee well-being. He's also the author of The Connoisseur of Time, an invitation to presence. His essay, Become a Connoisseur of Time, appears in the March-April 2023 issue of Spirituality Health Magazine. Joel's been on the show before, was been years, was it? We were talking just before we started the recording, 2017? I think so, yes. So welcome back, Joel Bennett. Yes, it's great to be here. Well, we're glad to have you back. You spent decades of your life in the field of recovery and addiction prevention. And I was fascinated by your distinction between the connoisseur and the addict and their relationships with time. So I guess I wanted to start there. How do you, how do you define a connoisseur and how does that differ from an addict? Well, you know, taking the, a page from the book itself, by the way, which is available at no cost, free download from our site. The, you know, the, they're, the way that it's defined is that very basically it's one who seeks to enjoy, appreciate, and discriminate subtleties, right? That's the, the classic definition of the connoisseur. Of course, the addict just wants to enjoy and enjoy and indulge and enjoy and as much as possible and as soon as possible, right? There's there's not a lot of discrimination of subtleties when you're, you know, I want what I want when I want it now. That's something that a, a connoisseur would never, I think, say. Yeah. I don't know if, if, if there's joy in the addict. Uh, exactly. I mean, I, I don't know if we're talking about actual, I mean, someone like myself who, who has an actual addiction. I, I don't think there's a joy in that. Or we're talking like, I, I took my seven-year-old grandson to his acting class on Monday. That's how he's going to put himself through life, I hope. He's going to get an acting gig somewhere. But I took him to his acting class, and he just, you know, he gets a bag of Skittles. Of course, when they're not paying for that product placement. But anyway, he gets a bag of Skittles when he goes to acting class, because that's his favorite candy. And he just, you know, I said, well, just have some and then I'll hold on to them and you can have the rest when you get done. No, he had to eat them all. He just couldn't stop eating them. But he wasn't getting any joy out of it. He was simply addicted to finishing the bag, which I completely understood. But there's no joy in Addictville. That's my, that's my assessment. Well, yeah, I mean, 
the, the, since we're talking about a, a new relationship or a healthy relationship to time, that's the premise here. The connoisseur always takes more time, while the addict, of course, t- acts as though time is running out. And that's the key difference. And, you know, we can get into the brain science of addiction and the difference between pleasure or the removal of pain that is often at the onset of an addiction versus, to your point, joy. I mean, pleasure and joy are not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really important. I, I love this notion of, you know, the, the, the connoisseur takes their time and the addict thinks time is always running out. That That is really, I think, very on point. But before we actually go any further, this is sort of a throwaway thing that you tossed out, but I want to come back to it so you can tell us where to get the book. You said the book was available at no charge on the website, but you didn't tell us where the website was. Yes, it's dub. Thank you. Of course, you can also get it on Amazon, but it's www.presencequest.life. That's www.presencequest.life. And that's because the series, you know, the, the connoisseur book is a prequel and the whole series is the, is called Quest for Presence, not the quest for presence, not a quest for presence, just quest for presence. Okay. So if people want to get that, I mean, certainly you can go to Amazon, but it's very generous of you to let the people download it for free. So you know, we've only been talking for a few minutes, but we've been talking about this notion of time. And I was a little surprised in the magazine essay, in the current issue of Spirituality and Health, the essay Become a Connoisseur of Time. In the sidebar that's titled Four Radiant Forces, you start out and you say, right, right in the beginning, the first thing, I'm reading it, the first thing we have to recognize is that we're not talking about time. And I'm going, wait, what? (laughs) I thought we were talking about time. And you say, no, we're not talking about time. We're talking about what is actually happening. And then you go into the four radiant forces. And, And that was really interesting to me. So first of all, what's the difference between time and what's actually happening? And then walk us through the four radiant forces. Well, to fully explicate the difference between what is time and what is what is happening, we'd have to call on the existentialists, right? And a lot, of, a lot of that's been written. So the reason I say that is that when I talk about time in that sentence, it's not about time. I'm really specifically talking about clock time and that what's happened in the modern era, the post-industrial era, the info crazy era, right? People have unknowingly walked into a world that is made up of dozens and dozens of clocks. And we're indoctrinated into into this world of clocks. And natural time, organic time, celestial time, you know, the time of the phases of the moon and the time of nature is really becoming less and less on the radar because we're in this cloak, if you will, or this gauze. You know, people wake up, they look at their smartphone. They have a clock on their wrist. They have, you know, their app. I mean, every app has a micro clock in it. That's very different than what's actually happening, you know? And what's actually happening is our experience of the moment, but also the experience of our 
whole life. So I often use, when I teach a class, I'll hold up a hourglass and I'll turn the class over and I'll point to the sand pouring through the glass. And I'll say to people, this is what's happening. And I'll point to the center. And they go, yeah, that's right. But then I say, wait. And then I show the whole hourglass and I say, this is what's happening. This is your whole life. The whole, the notion of whole time. And that sometimes is a wake up call because people start to recognize, yeah, I'm only here for so long. I'm only here, you know, the number of my days and, you know, talk about scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, Buddhism. This is an idea that's implied in almost all spiritual writings that your life is, is here. This is the precious gift of your life that you've been given. So pay attention to what's happening, which has nothing to do with the clock. Exactly. And, and, and like you said, I mean, a clock is one thing, but the, the nanoseconds that are measured by our technology now, it, it's nuts. I, I have a, an Apple Watch. And again, we're not getting paid for that product placement. <laughs> You're really but, on a roll here. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just giving away. <laughs> just giving away all this free advertising. <laughs> but I, I have an Apple Watch and I, you know, when I'm going out, I walk, I walk my dog a lot. We, we walk about, oh, I don't know, seven miles a day. And it'll say to me, after about 10 minutes walking outside, it'll say, are you walking? I mean, it's not the smartest watch. <laughs> it, it takes 10 minutes for it to realize I'm going out. And it says, and, you know, are you walking? And I said, yeah. So I tap the yes, I am. And then it starts to to count the hundredths of a second. I don't know. It's just like flipping by. And I, I turn it off. I, I mean, I don't want to watch that because it's like, <laughs> I become breathless watching the nanoseconds fly by. But that's not my experience. My experience is just walking outside with my dog who stops every few paces to smell something. And and it's, it's a much different experience. The experience of what's happening is totally different than the experience of the smartwatch, which hasn't literally has no time to stop and smell anything because it's living in a, in a world of flashing nanoseconds. And I'm wondering if you think that living in the world of what's happening helps you become this connoisseur. Whereas living, and no one actually lives, I guess, as a smartwatch does in the nanosecond technology, but living in that rushed pace of a machine tech time, in, in a rushed pace of machine time, that it just creates an anxiety that can drive you to an addiction if the anxiety itself doesn't become your addiction. Of course, exactly. I mean, there's research for that. You know, I, I always want to come back. I mean, this is spirituality and health magazine you're a rabbi right so i'm gonna i'm gonna paint a picture here to further help with that one of my favorite books is heschel's the sabbath i don't know if you're familiar with that book but the the, the notion of the sabbath and it's just an incredible book and how he talks about the sabbath as the bride and that what the intention was and that's just of course i don't want to say just that is judaism there's a in, in spiritual literature, in wisdom literature, there's always this notion of setting aside 
time for contemplation. And the purpose of a watch, ideally, is only for that. Now, now it's time for my prayer. Now it's time for me to remi- remember my higher power, my God. And that, you know, that was the original call. That was the church bell, right? The church bell rang. Nobody had a clock. And so what's happened now is we, we've conquered space. Technology has conquered space. So we've come into a world where it's conquering our time. The internet, social media, all of that is to get eyeballs and push button people want and trying to steal your private time away from you. So that's one piece. The other piece, just last week, Smithsonian Magazine had an article that the scientists are now wanting to, ready for this? A time zone for the moon, a a lunar timekeeping that everybody will agree to so that the moon now will become completely charted and cut up and carved out. And so we have to recognize that this unfettered kind of gluttonous approach to time has gotten so out of hand that it's moved us away from those precious moments of contemplation. So the distinction between time and what's happening is, oh, I only make that distinction to point people back to the preciousness of this life and to come back to all those spiritual teachings that basically have been saying the same thing for thousands of years. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Right, exactly, exactly. You know, you know I, I mentioned this, and, and we don't, I, I don't want to take away from the time we have to go through all four of what you call the radiant forces. I just want to, because I think it's relevant to what you've been saying, I want to take a look at the fourth force, the one that talks about the ripening of experience. And, and you say that nothing happens, I'm not quoting you, I'm paraphrasing, so if I get it wrong, correct me, but nothing happens until the conditions for it happening are have ripened to the point where it can happen, right? I can't make I can't make it snow in August um, here in Tennessee. I can't make it snow here in Tennessee in August unless the conditions are such that snow is going to happen in and of itself. I can't, you know, I, I, things like the secret aside. I don't control the universe with my mind that way. I can't make that happen. The universe functions the way it functions. And things ripen the way they ripen outside of my control. And because that's true, that then I can surrender, or I am, I think if I understand it properly, I am surrendered to the way, to the happening itself. And that my job is to be present to the happening, to be, to be, and this is how I understand a connoisseur of time. My job is to be present to the happening 
to the ripening and to see my own ripening in that larger moment of ripening so that I can say with the Buddha, everything is being done, but there's no doer. I'm just present as a part of what's happening. And that gives me, personally I'm talking, that gives me a tremendous sense of liberation, grace, and freedom <laughs> that, I, that I associate with the connoisseur of time. Am I, in your estimation, am I on the right yeah, track? Yeah, of course. Or? I mean, the origin of, of that force is best taught through Taoism, in my mind, and in my experience that, you know, the watercourse way. And it actually comes from a concept out of, Chi I think, Chinese culture called Yuan. So Y-U-A-N, I mean, I don't know if I've got the correct pronunciation, but that's how I first came across it, that in, in the context of a relationship, you know, I may want this other person to fall in love with me, but conditions might not be right for that to happen. You know, the stars are not aligned. And that's where often the, the treasure of poignance comes up. Because as we mature in our wisdom as human beings, we start to recognize the very thing that you said, that this was, you know, some things are meant to be and some things are not meant to be. And in the West, this is my opinion, because the other radiant force that sort of counteracts that or is, is that is this force of time shaping where we're, we're, we're given the clock, we think we have to get so much done, fear of missing out, perfectionism, imposter syndrome. You know, first there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is, you know, this, the old Donovan song. There's always another hill to climb. There's always another goal, objectives, goals, planners, to-do lists, calendars, schedules. And we don't realize that we are enculturated into that to such a degree that we don't even recognize that this other force is there. And talk about addiction and recovery from addiction, you know, at least in a number of programs, of course, 12-step, we admitted we were powerless, right? It, which means you humble yourself to these these conditions. So it is it all comes back around. So yeah, the connoisseur not only understands nurturing conditions, but also understands that when the time is right for time shaping. The other point I'll make for people who are interested in in studying nurturing conditions, the I Ching is an incredible and all the commentary and all the I Ching, because what the Book of Changes, right? The I Ching is called the Book of Changes. Well, coming out of Taoism and Confucianism, and I think even predating Buddhism, was this notion that we have to understand our relationship, you know, man versus nature, quote unquote, right? And the ancients, the shamans, the, their whole work was to help the, quote, other people, the common people, understand their relationship to those nurturing conditions. And so the Book of Changes is a map, if you will, to understanding how one thing transforms into the next through the force of nurturing conditions. And what's the best thing to do when they are transforming? I, I think that's, I'm, I'm very pleased that you brought that up because 
I, I didn't I didn't think of it myself, which is not not surprising. But I'm so glad that you did, because it. I'm t- and I'm talking about the Yijing, the the Book of Changes. It it's such a powerful text. I mean, I, I think, and you know, get call, talk to me on a different day. I might think differently, but at least at the moment, I think the most intelligent religious or spiritual philosophy on the planet is Taoism, and I think the Yijing speaks a similar kind of language. And to consult the I Ching, which I, I used to do every day, I don't do it as often, I always ask the same question, what are the forces unfolding at the moment? And <laughs> there you go. I, 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 you, know, you get these poetic answers, these cryptic answers. They're not telling you, oh, it's the force of X, stupid, don't do this, right? It's, it's not how it works. It's not like, it's not Ast- that didactic. Astrology, it's not magazine astrology. Right, it's not like that at all. But it does give you this, I, I guess, sort of a, a, a poetic way of entering in and trying to trying to get a sense of what these forces are at work in the moment. And and oftentimes the forces are in the midst of, of, of transforming. And so it's, you're watching the yin of something turning into the yang and, and all of that. So it gives you this sense of dynamism and motion. And uh, and it reminds you that you're part of the flow and you're not in control. I think the biggest problem, or one, let's say, one of the biggest problems people have is this notion of being in control. And, and you brought up 12-step again. In, in the big book of Bill W., big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, he says, the first thing you have to do is stop playing God. And as I understand that, it's, it's stop being in control. You're not. And you're part, there's just this infinite, dynamic, wild universe, consciousness, mind, whatever you want to call it. But there's this non-dual happening that's happening, and you're part of it. And if you can plug into the fact that you're part of this infinite thing, the need to control becomes ludicrous. That just melts away. The idea of control becomes ludicrous. And and the notion of the the time, the clock time you're talking about becomes irrelevant. So let me just add one other piece of that and get your response. So I'm basically retired. I don't have to be anywhere, you know, most of the day. I don't have a, a an office to go to. You know, I have the podcast to do at a certain time. I have articles that are due. I have book deadlines to meet. But I can get up almost whenever I feel like getting up. I don't have uh, a Zen center to go to anymore. I don't have anything that I have to do. To My meditation doesn't have to be done at a certain time. So I go to bed when I go to bed. I wake up in the middle of the morning because my body wakes up. Last night it was two o'clock in the morning. And I slip out of bed and I go in and I have I do my, my meditation in the, either you call it early morning or the middle of the night, however you look at it. And then when I'm done with that, I go back to bed for a couple hours and then I get up and I do something else. And everything is just because, well, that's what's happening at the moment. It's I'm meditating and then I'm sleeping and then I'm up and doing something else. And there's no pressure to it because there's no time to it. There's just this flow. And I find it, of course, it's I'm, I'm lucky because I don't have a job that ties me down to a clock. But I get the sense that that my experience coming with age, not wisdom, but just age and the retirement that age can bring, that my experience is, again, what you're pointing toward. 
But th- even though I haven't done the work, I'm just, I just well, lucked out because I'm retired. No, of course. I mean, a, a couple of things there. I mean, you just said a whole, there was a lot of richness in what you shared from you know, stop playing God to having the freedom that the way you're doing retirement brings. I think a quick response is that even if you're not retired and you're listening to this podcast, you can still cultivate this idea or this frame of reference as a connoisseur. That's still possible. It is, it is more of a challenge than not. That's the first thing. The second thing is I have met with and worked with people in retirement who struggle, who aren't as, quote, you said lucky as you, who now have all this time on their hands and they, quote, say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do because they've spent 50, 60, 70 years doing, doing, doing. And the force of that habit has left them stranded. And so I want to say that I, I'm, I'm happy for you, first and foremost. But, but I also want to recognize there may be people listening who are in retirement and saying, you know, you're, you're privileged. But either way, the people who are in retirement and who are struggling, when they hear about this work, they, they very much appreciate it. I'll tell you a story that might help that's related to this. This is a story I share a lot. I did a retreat a number of years ago on this work. And when, before I do a retreat, which I still do, in fact, in a few minutes, I'm, I'm leading a workshop on this. Um, I typically do a pre-free talk. So I did this at a church, and this woman came up to me after my talk and said, Dr. Bennett, thank you for what you shared tonight, but I'm now retired and I don't need this anymore. I wish you had come and had this talk 20 years ago before I I had to go through all of my workaholism. So I said, thank you for coming up, and that was wonderful. I did not expect for her to show up at the retreat. Because she just said that. Well, she showed up at the retreat. And when I do the retreat, I give people a lot of permission to find their pace. I bring pillows. I try to create a couch area. And I say, go with your pace today. Do what you need to do. I'll be holding these you know, discussion sessions periodically. So we did that in the morning. And then the day went by and I had not seen her. I didn't know where she went. So the end of the day comes and she shows up. And what happened was she had taken most of the day to take a nap. And she comes back and says, I have never been given permission before to take a nap. And so I, I want to co- say that story in contrast to, to your story, because no matter where you are in the flow, going back to Taoism, there's always an opportunity to sit on the riverbank. Right. There's always an opportunity to, you know, the word contemplate comes from the same root as time, T E M P. And so it's, and, and temple as well. So what we're talking about here is a, is a, an innate, natural human faculty, contemplation. And what you just shared, your day is a day of contemplation. Your night is a night of contemplation. Your waking is a waking of contemplation. I mean, that's true. As long as I don't put on Fox News. 
<laughs> and then, uh, was that another advertisement? The- <laughs> so we have Skittles, we have Fox <laughs> yeah, News. Right. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That I didn't. I don't. Don't. That that's that, that's like that's kind of don't watch Fox News. That's my that's my <laughs> message there. Yeah, I, I am very privileged and also and also very very lucky. I mean, there's there's no question about that. I'm cognizant of our time, and I know I'm supposed to bring this to a close. But I, I want to ask you just one last thing, and it's not a small thing, but see if you can if you can answer it quickly because this is Spirituality and Health Magazine's podcast, and you do have a chapter in your book where you ask the question, what is spirituality? I'm going to ask you to go ahead and answer that question. And that's how we'll bring this to a close. Well, in the book, and I I always, always, always come back to this, this quote from St. Teresa. So I use two quotes that have helped me. You know, she said, St. Teresa Bavila, Spanish mystic, we ought not to insist on everyone following in our footsteps nor to take upon ourselves to give instruction in spirituality when, perhaps, we do not even know what it is. So I'm I'm answering the question the first way, which is that deep, deep willingness and humility and openness to not in any way ever close the book on what a definition of spirituality is. And I, I still believe that that's true. Everyone, and I I even say agnostics and atheists, everyone can come to their definition in their own way. And there's a lot of reasons why I believe that, one of which is so much violence has been done in the name of spirituality, right? Or, and or religion, but people confuse those. Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. The other one is the one I think that Spir- Spirituality and Health magazine actually uses, the David Steindlerast, that it's where we come alive, wherever we come alive, wherever we come alive to this happening life. To, to your point, life doesn't only happen to us happen. We are also happening to life. Right. The quote you've got in the book is, wherever we come alive, that is the area in which we are spiritual. And I think spirituality and health defines it as total aliveness. So I, I happen to like those def- those kinds of definitions in the Jewish tradition. Um, the, the Hasidic master, the Chernobyl Rebbe in the 1800s, spoke of God as chiyut, aliveness. And that's what we're trying to awake to. Or waken as this this total aliveness. I, so I those have, are those are good definitions. I have yeah. to say something. I grew up in Farakaway, New York, which is a very Hasidic, right around that area, and went to a Hasidic Hebrew school. So that that what you just said, unconsciously or whatever, has influenced a lot of this. So it's interesting that you brought that up at the end. Look at that! I brought you back to your roots. <laughs> How is that? (laughs) Our guest today, the ultra Jew, (laughs) who has now recovered his far rockaway roots, Dr. Joel Bennett, is the author of The Connoisseur of Time, An Invitation to Presence. The book, because I I just want you to say it one more time, the book is available on Amazon, but also as a free download from the website, and the website is presencequest.com. Dot life, L-I-F-E, not dot com, presencequest.life. 
Life. His essay, Become a Connoisseur of Time, appears in the March-April 2023 issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Joel Bennett, thanks for joining us again on the Spirituality and Health podcast. You're welcome. Spirituality and Health podcast is produced by Ezra Baker Truppiano and our executive producer is Zach Avery. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. And if you're not already a subscriber to Spirituality Health magazine, please become one at spiritualityhealth.com. From everybody at Spirituality Health magazine, we thank you for your support. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.